Hello and welcome back. We have a brilliant episode for you today of Talking Their Language with Helen Modell. We are discussing the topic of translanguaging, something I think that everyone's talking about at the moment. And as we know, encouraging translanguaging involves fostering positive attitudes towards multilingualism and encouraging EAL learners to be proud of their language skills and choosing which language to use at any key time. I'd like to introduce you to Jacob Huckle today. Welcome, Jacob. Thank you for giving up your time and coming on the podcast today to talk about this topic. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your background in education? Sure. Yes. Thank you, Helen. So um, thanks for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Um, I'm an EAL teacher and uh, my my job title actually right now is head of multilingual learning. Um, And I'm based in China in a city called Suzhou, which is not far from Shanghai. And I work here at a British international school. So we I I work in the the senior school um, where students are preparing for IGCSE exams and international baccalaureate diploma exams. And many students will go overseas to various countries for university, including to the UK. Um, And I work with multilingual students. It's quite a diverse, linguistically and culturally diverse school community. We have um, students from a lot of different language backgrounds. Um, The largest groups are Chinese and Korean. So a lot of my students are Chinese and Korean. And really my own kind of journey with translanguaging has been happening within that context within this kind of school. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. It sounds um, really interesting over there. Um, So what is translanguaging for those um, listeners that might be new to the topic or new to teaching EAL learners? um, Can you explain a little bit about what translanguaging is? Yeah. So I think like um, in order to understand translanguaging, we first need to rethink how we understand language a little bit. So if we can go in, like if we think about translanguaging, and the idea of languaging. So that word languaging is probably a good starting point um, because in this vision of language, this this kind of new way of looking at language, we think language as a verb rather than a noun, right? Language is something okay. that we do. So we, we language, we engage in languaging. So when we're talking about translanguaging or people translanguage, then we're seeing language as an active process and we're pushing against the idea that there are languages that exist as separate bounded systems like they are kind of out there as objects somewhere in the world that may be how languages you know we often talk about language in that way we label them and codify them in dictionaries but in reality of course language is something that we do and there's no language that exists apart from the people who are languaging. So then that's the the languaging part, really. And that's it kind of for, for many people, that may be a different way of thinking about language. And then in terms of the trans part, right, that prefix in, in the translanguaging, we're thinking about movement and crossing and so on. But then it's not about simply crossing from one language to another. It's not just about switching from one language to another, because we're not thinking about languages as these separate systems. We're thinking about languaging as an active process through which language users are moving around within their own language repertoire. So that's a helpful term, I think, language repertoire, which is sometimes used when when you read definitions of translanguaging. People will be talking about um, students using their whole linguistic or language repertoire. So we're not thinking about multilingual people as having these kind of separate languages rattling around inside their 
brains somehow or as if they are just two monolinguals added together inside yeah. one body it's like the that's not what the lived reality of being multilingual is like um in fact we think it's better to think about a person as having a single language repertoire that encompasses the, those different ways of languaging and often in yeah. the world those may be labeled as different languages but they're actually part of a, a unified communication system so Right, you and I now, Helen, we're talking, we're speaking to each other in English, right? We're languaging it, yeah. using English, we're drawing upon that part of our linguistic repertoire. Yeah. We could even, you know, we could label it even more. We could say kind of a semi-formal British English or something. So that's what we're drawing upon. But maybe after this podcast recording, we'll go off and we'll speak to our families and we'll draw from different, more personal kind of resources from within our yeah more personal ways of languaging so you can see them moving moving across and within our own repertoires and then for me here living in china using chinese as, as well as english in my daily life then if i'm speaking to someone different here i may start to draw upon some of those chinese um, resources within my repertoire and it's not like i just switch from one to the other they're mixed together they're blended together and we're you know whatever kind of resources we need to make understanding and communicate we're going to be drawing upon those so it's not about switching between one language to another language that's you know what that's kind of a very simplified understanding of translanguaging what it's about is drawing upon those different aspects of our language repertoires as we move in and out of those different spaces that's i think such an amazing way of um thinking about it really there's really good a, there's a one way i often explain it to teachers especially to subject teachers who maybe not eal specialists and haven't yeah. maybe spent so much time thinking about language is i talk about their imagine the student has a language toolbox and within the toolbox there are various different tools that students will be or anyone when we communicate we're using those different tools and sometimes we may need to use one particular tool sometimes we may need to use two or three tools together in combination to to solve the problem that we're facing. So as we enter different situations, we pick up different tools from within our toolbox, um, but it's still one toolbox. So that's, um, yeah. it's not a perfect metaphor um, because the tools are still like separate things within the box, but that I think it's a helpful like way of thinking about it. So like yeah. in a nutshell, translanguaging is when the students are using their whole linguistic repertoire as part of learning, or in other words, they are using all the tools within their toolbox. Yeah, and so you're not putting barriers up then. You're you're almost exactly. yeah, allowing them you, to choose. Yeah. And when you think about it like the toolbox like that, then you start to get into issues of like equity and rights and, and justice around around language in education because it, it, essentially if a teacher is saying to the class to their students you can only use English in this classroom space kind of trying to enforce some kind of English only policy, which, you know, I don't think is so common anymore, but does happen, then that you're basically saying to those multilingual students, you can only use part of the tools in your toolbox. Yeah. Your toolbox is locked. Yeah, exactly. Whereas the students, the, the, the students who are proficient in only English, the monolingual students, right. They are able to use their full toolbox still in that paradigm. So you're yeah. disadvantaging some students by saying, these students who have other languages can only use part of their their tools, but these students can use all of their their tools. 
So I think that's a kind of helpful way. Um, so that's kind of a, a long-winded answer, but I think it's helpful to like to really understand translanguaging. We need to, as I said, start to see languages in a little bit of a different way, not as these separate things that we can switch on and off as we enter different classrooms and, and such like. It's this single repertoire that we are drawing upon and that's kind of has a lot of implications um, in terms of our pedagogy and curriculum and assessment. Yeah, definitely. It brings up um, new things, doesn't it? But it's yeah. an amazing way of looking at it. Like, it's brilliant, especially for, like you say, those teachers that maybe don't teach language all the yeah. time and maybe don't see it from, from our point of view. Yeah. Really, really good way of looking at it. And there um, are two, and- like, just on the, on the translanguage, because another thing I found teachers have found helpful is, like, within the a lot of the research on on translanguaging they are they distinguish between two types of translanguaging which is they're sometimes called like spontaneous translanguaging and pedagogical okay. translanguaging so the spontaneous and what's the, and what's the difference between those so yeah the spontaneous translanguage is, is natural unplanned organic it's what people do they just switch between they they mix up the languages as they're talking to each other right this is kind of the natural way of being for for multilinguals, um, and it happens all the time. Um, whereas pedagogical pedagogical translanguage is more like planned and intentional. It's using okay. translanguaging as part of the learning process. So you're setting up your lessons to build in opportunities for students to engage in learning using all their different languages. Not just okay, it's planned activities that exactly, are going yeah, to encourage to, it. Not just allowing it to happen but you're actually planning tasks that require students to, to do this translanguaging. So then we're thinking about like, from that perspective, you're thinking about what can I do as a teacher? How can I plan for translanguaging yes. for my EAL students? And that comes on to my next question, actually, um, about examples of sort of activities. How can um, teachers plan for translanguaging? Yeah. So I think probably the like the simplest way is to, redesign the activities that we already are doing right so find ways that we can take the things that we already do in the classroom just as you would do with other kind of ways of scaffolding learning for EAL students Um, how can we take the activities that we're doing and then open them up some way so that they enable translanguaging so for example if students are doing a research task then they, they can use all of their linguistic repertoire to carry out that research if they're researching a topic they can use websites in their home languages or other languages that they know as well as in english to do that research and that may be part of a bigger cycle of learning in which students are working towards like writing a report that's going to be submitted to the teacher in english because i don't understand all the the languages used within the classroom um so they're going to you know, and they may be assessed in English, so they're going to work towards that. But the research part can happen in, in the various languages that they know. So we can open up that. So that's a, a, a simple example of how a, a regular task, everyday task, can easily be um, adapted without any additional preparation required. It just says, just the teacher would say, go away, research in your home language, research in any language you know to bring those resources together as part of the research process and similarly and that like, helps them sort of gain the prior knowledge I guess doesn't it as well yeah they might have exactly. prior knowledge about a topic that you they can then know, access yeah. yeah they may know lots of things in other languages and if we don't do these kind of activities the teacher may think they don't know it 
but actually they just can't express it in English yet. Yeah. Um, and this can work like your regular classroom discussions. Again, like we can redesign those discussions so that students can discuss with, you know, their home language buddies, if that's possible within a classroom, if students share the home language. So you may, instead of just saying, okay, discussing your groups, you're going to say, go first to your home language buddy and discuss these ideas in your home language. And then after five or 10 minutes, let's regroup into groups where you're, you're mixed language groups and then share your understanding. Um, if English is the only shared language amongst your group, use that, but you're going to process, have time to process and think about and discuss your ideas um, using your home language before you get to that stage. So that's how a discussion might be redesigned. And if students are producing yeah. text, if students are producing a poster, then we can ask them to, in their posters, show your understanding, um, show, convey the information in as many languages as possible. You know, adding keywords in different languages onto your poster or whatever work the students are doing. And that's a great way of bringing students together and building community because then the students need each other. If you're saying get as many languages yeah. as possible onto your poster, then that EAL student who who may not be prof so proficient in English yet, they can come there and bring their home language to that poster and that they can make a, a valuable contribution to, to the group. Um, yeah, it can also help monolingual students learn other languages as well, can't it? You know, it helps exactly. learn about different cultures and... You know, yeah, share that it, experience, and it? it's a way to like model inclusivity and diversity yeah. and, and it enriches learning for everything everyone because then yeah. students they start to notice patterns you know oh, that word looks a bit similar to the word in my language i wonder why that is so then it can bring develop that kind of metalinguistic understanding about how languages work and then there are like lots of resources out there that are available in various languages in terms of input kind of tasks so one yeah. example like for example ted talks ted talks can be great like source of information and inspiration for for young people but they are very challenging for eal students to access right the, in terms of the yeah. language may be challenging in english but on the ted talks website most of their talks have transcripts in various languages so okay, yeah. if you have a class with lots of different languages, then you can ask the class, we're going to watch this TED talk later, but first go away and read it in any language you choose, right from the drop down menu on, on the website, and then give them some tasks to do. Find some quotations that were really in interesting or important to you. And then later, when we're going to look at the English transcript, you can try to find the corresponding quotes right how do they say that yeah. in english you can compare it and you can get students to together even though so then you can start to have a, a conversation in the groups about the same ted talk that students have accessed in various languages so that discussion is going to be much richer because they may yeah. find various like different subtle subtle differences between the translations so that can lead to some interesting discussions and Importantly, the students are developing literacy skills in their home language as well as in English, which is really, really important for for EAL students. Yeah, def um, also like things like subtitles, would that help as well, you know, in different languages? Yeah, so subtitles can be really useful and, and you can use the, the TED Talks for, for that as well. Uh, just as an example, there are other websites as well. Um, subtitles... Um, it can it may be challenging it like subtitles in another language 
it can be challenging if you have many languages within your yeah, of course. class yeah. because maybe you can't turn on different languages. That's why transcripts in that kind of context where you have various languages, the, the transcripts can be useful or having the students to open their, watch the TED Talk on their own devices with the subtitles in, in their language, for example. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, so why is it a great idea for AL learners, would you say, um, to sort of use translanguaging? And does it benefit all learners for those teachers that are... Yeah, I think it definitely does benefit all learners and, and all, all teachers as well, actually. Like, I've learned so much through seeing the way that my students translanguage and, and learning from them and their own experiences and learning from the way that they're... the languages that they're using as well. So definitely it's a great idea for Yale learners in, in various ways. It's a great way of scaffolding um yep. students learning however it's not just that so it has academic benefits it helps them to access parts of learning that they may not be able to access it's a way of personalizing the learning and differentiating but i do think like and i want to emphasize this part that translanguaging is not just a scaffolding strategy it's so much more than that and that's where you're getting to the idea of all it being enriching for all learners it's not just a scra scaffolding strategy and I wouldn't want it to be reduced to that. It is a it yeah. is a useful way of scaffolding learning, but it's so much more than that. It's a way of, like, if we look at it through lenses of diversity, equity and inclusion, translanguaging is a way that we can, like, leverage the diversity in our classrooms as a resource for learning that will enrich learning for everyone, not just the EAL students, like, and through through, through translanguaging, we can start to build some build more equitable and inclusive classrooms in which students feel valued for who they are. They don't feel like they have to leave their languages outside the classroom. They don't feel yeah. like they need to um, leave part of themselves outside the classroom. That they can bring their whole selves to the classroom in in terms of their language identities, and so they can be full participants in the the learning. We, they don't have to wait until their English has developed to a certain level and then you can join the learning. Actually, you are a valued, active participant in this classroom community. Um, so that's going to have like huge well-being benefits for students. Yeah, it's their, huge. Students. Uh, it really like affirming their identity. And, you know, I think like it can also shift the power dynamics within the classroom. Um, you know, in, in many ways, EAL students are often marginalized um and they are they may feel like they are not valued or or have don't have power within the classroom that the power especially in the classrooms which have the kind of english only approaches the the monolingual students the power lies with them the english proficient students the teachers um whereas those the EAL students may be viewed through deficit lenses they may be seen like as problems that we need to fix them before they can join in the learning but translanguaging shifts that power dynamic because the EAL students they can translanguage in the classroom then it's more difficult to ignore all the assets that they bring they they can yeah. contribute and then gradually through seeing that and being a part of a kind of classroom that's where translanguaging is part of the the DNA of the classroom the teachers and and the classmates will start to see those EAL students differently I think and that's why I say it can enrich the learning for all. And if you then have students bringing different perspectives from their different languages, 
imagine students researching an hist- a historical event using various languages. They're going to bring a lot richer information to the table about that event from various perspectives. And then you start to, you know, the students see that in the classroom and you start to like, basically you're decentering English as the only legitimate language of learning. You're saying that learning can happen in various ways through various um, ways of languaging. Um, that's an important message for everyone to yeah. receive. Yeah, of course. It's a huge confidence boost, I can imagine, as well, for those EAL learners yeah. to be able to you yeah. know, unlock all that information they've got in, yeah. in different languages. And we're always the we're always putting the onus on EAL students right? within schools. We say EAL students, they, we want them to improve their English as quickly as possible, blah blah blah, so they can engage. But we don't spend enough time thinking about the the other students and how they need to learn to adapt yeah. the ways that they're yeah. languaging. So we need to meet in the middle, and we, so it's really an important life lesson for other students to within the classroom to be exposed to different languages to be in a situation where your group mates for some time are speaking about something and you don't understand what's going on and then you need to meet in the middle and make meaning together across or using all your different resources as a group that's going to be an essential skill for for the future because students are as they grow up they're going to live in these in these multicultural um, I cities. universities and, yeah, universities yeah meeting new people in, in their in their careers and this is an important life skill to be able to communicate in multilingual context so that's it's really um important from that perspective and i do think like maybe this is the most fundamental thing that i'm trying to talk about in my school and when i talk about this is that i think multilingualism is a right and every student has the right to be multilingual and to become multilingual every student has the right to learn the language of schooling but also to learn the language of the country within where they're living also to develop their home language and or the community language or other languages associated with their identities and so on that's a, a fundamental right so and unesco in in some of their kind of reports they say that they're equitable quality education you know which is one of the sustainable development goals this is only possible when education responds to and reflects the multi multilingual nature of society and when we have contexts in which they are because we have this linguistic diversity we can't teach every student the curriculum in their mother language um, yeah. translanguaging there is a way that we can create the classrooms that are responding to the multilingual nature of society to to use that term from unesco so yeah why is it useful i think it's useful for various reasons not partly as scaffolding that's important but not just scaffolding and translating so much more than that isn't it so much more than that and it's part it's not you know it's not the end but it maybe it's the start of a bigger kind of transformation of our schools towards more culturally responsive decolonized educational spaces that are um, not just centered around one specific way of using language. We are opening up to different perspectives, different ways of being, and maybe like translanguaging is that the crack through which that light can get in and we can have bigger, bigger kind of transformations. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's definitely a way of, I mean, we have, 
sort of people on social media asking like, how can I make my classroom inclusive, etc. Mm. And this could be something that would tran- like you say would transform the whole school, not just your own classroom, but it could it could be huge, couldn't it? Yeah, it can be like a powerful starting point. Of course it's not yeah. it's not the solution. It's not gonna fix all the no. problems, right? There are still gonna be inequities and, and like power imbalances and there are even within these kind of as trans languaging unfolds, there are these kind of hierarchies of languages that need to like will be different in different contexts. So it's not it's not a quick fix, but it's no. kind of I think it's a necessary step towards that kind of transformation to to build more inclusive classrooms. Yeah. Um so your research into trans languaging and sort of any personal experience of it, have you got any examples from where you've used it and it's you know yeah. been so I, within my, I, I teach English, I teach students of various um, kind of proficiency levels. So, and although I'm, although I teach English and my responsibility is to develop students English, I know that translanguaging is, is going to help them do that. So other languages will help them to learn English, but also my responsibility as a teacher is bigger than just teaching English. It's about building yeah, those teaching pieces and also developing all of their their linguistic repertoire, building their literacy skills that will be transferred across the languages, building upon what they already know. So like a lot of my research over the last few years and the work I've been doing in school is about the how and moving from the what and the why, right? So we, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot out there about what is translanguaging. There's a lot about why it's important. We, we've talked about that, but then, how do you actually do this in schools that are really not set up for this? And, you know, schools have been designed in a way that assumes, um, you know, that everyone's going to be monolingual. So how, how do we build up, how do we redesign the schools? How, how can we make it happen? So I've been looking at different barriers that may get in the way of translanguaging and how can we kind of break down some of those barriers? Yeah. So there's like, I would say there's some barriers in terms of the policies within schools. Some schools, they have language policies that specify, you know, English only policies that that may happen in in some schools, or they may have no policy at all, which kind of can lead to then unwritten policies and teachers making up these kind of um, rules that may may not be like well informed. So there's there may be policies that are getting in the way of implementing translanguaging. And then within the classroom, there may be certain practices that are going on. And then also teachers' beliefs about language learning. Yeah. Teachers may have some misconceptions about thinking that, you know, the best way of learning language is just full in, total immersion in, in the target language. So if, if teachers have those kind of misconceptions, then they may be resistant to translanguaging. Um, so a lot of what I've been doing is trying to identify those barriers and then break down those barriers and engage with the teachers trying to to change their help them to to change their beliefs develop that understanding about how language works and what play what role translanguaging can play in that so that's what i'm talking about the how is to and so in my school we kind of went through that inquiry process to to identify what those those barriers might be and, you know, we, we surveyed all the students and, and various teachers, sample of, of teachers. And what we found from that was that, to go back to something I said at, at the start, 
there was a lot of spontaneous translanguaging going on that the okay. students were kind of naturally they were switching be- switching between these these named languages they were using all their linguistic repertoires they would be using translators they would be speaking to each other to clarify understanding they would be annotating the text using their home languages but none of that was planned or intentional so that's where we identified our identified our need was to promote a more intentional planned approach to translanguaging so then we we started to deliver pd to teachers that was about how can i design activities how can we use routines um, to build translanguaging into our classrooms how can we design our unit plans to to build the translanguaging in so that's what that's what we the work that we were doing in my school and I think that will look different in various contexts the the challenges yeah. the barriers may be different um, so I would encourage like the EAL teachers and EAL leaders or any other school leaders or teachers who are listening like to go through that process of inquiry within their own schools is to to really think about what's gonna if we want where we're on board with translanguaging we can see it's important we really want to start this in our school what's going to get in the way how can we how can we solve that yeah how do we know it's going to be successful yeah how do we actually go to the implementation and it will as i said it will look different in different contexts there's no one size fits all solution it it depends on what does the kind of language ecosystem of your school look like um and you know how much how far you're along in this already so all of those aspects are going to I mean it looks different in in different situations yeah it's um it's definitely one to think about and if there's any teachers out there that are thinking oh i'd love to try this sort of next week is there any tips that you'd give them just to you know use it in their lessons straight yeah, so away like, so anything yeah, in their like yeah like i said earlier try just try to take what you're doing already and just yeah, see and where are the, yeah where are the opportunities within that to to open this up so one example I shared in the recent um, Naudic conference where, where I talked about this, we talked about um, routines. So I'm trying to develop some routines that we can use to, to make translanguaging really kind of habitual within teachers' planning. Um, and also how can we adapt routines that already exist? So the example I shared was about think-pair-share, which is a very common technique used within classrooms that students have time to think about their you know a question is posed students have time to think they discuss in their pairs and then they share their idea to the class so if you just take that routine it will be very easy to to tweak that to say that students have time to think so i i i use example of think um think share uh think pair prepare share so students have time to think, then they pair up with their home language buddy, if that's possible, and they, they're going to discuss that in their home language. Then they have time to prepare how they're going to share their ideas using English with the class. So they can use their translators, they can use their their, their dictionaries, whatever they need to, to prepare their ideas to express it in English, and then they share it in English. So that's an example of how you can take a, a simple um classroom routine that is already familiar to many teachers and just change it a little bit to build those opportunities for students to engage in the translanguaging 
Yeah, that's brilliant. That's definitely something that can be done um, quite easily, can't it? And as long as you mm. just change that mindset and give those opportunities, it can yeah. be something that can be quite easily adaptable. And maybe the students have a lot of ideas. Often I've said, this is what, said to the students, this is what we're, we're going to do. This is what we're planning to do. How might you use your other languages to help you as, as part of this? How might your other languages, you know, enrich this learning help for everyone? You, yeah. Yeah, what what can we do here? And and they'll have lots of ideas. They'll have resources. Um, you know, it's it's not often not pa- possible for teachers to go out and find um, articles and videos in in all the various languages. So we need to be empowering the students to to do that. Um, yeah, do that independent giving, research. Yeah, giving them permission to bring and find it, and then share with us what did you you find out as part of the learning process. And I can imagine when you allow that and get the student to do that, the excitement and the engagement in the lesson yeah. goes out tenfold. <laughs> exactly. And you're going to find out things you didn't expect. You're going to find out. Um, and it's going to, yeah, as I said, enrich the learning for for everyone. And uh, an example of that from, from my class, we were studying them. We were studying Shakespeare in a very simple way. It's just looking at one scene um, and from Midsummer Night's Dream, and we were watching the, the very short video clip from the one of the opening scenes, and then we found online the same scene in a Korean um, version of Midsummer Night's Dream, translated into Korean, performed in Korean, and we found the same version in in Mandarin Chinese, the same scene in Mandarin Chinese, and then yeah. actually all students watched those three the in the English, Korean, and and Chinese. And then they compared the different ways in which um, the the scenes what scene was portrayed. So there was that was um, everyone could engage with it in their own language. Oh, of course, the the language may be more archaic than than they used to because it's uh, Shakespeare. But they could also look at the different ways in which um, the traditional costumes were used. They could look yeah. at the way in which it was staged differently. So then you get a really and then students, you know, they they wrote a comparison of these different versions. So then yeah. that's there, there. You can see how translanguage is going beyond just the scaffolding. That it's really um, enriching the learning for everyone because it's going to open up new avenues to explore um, the stagecraft and the costume, as well as the characterization and and these kind of things. It can be a a way of yeah enriching the learning. So just think uh, my advice to teachers is just think creatively and and experiment and try different things out and some things won't work some things you know the students may be resistant the students may not be used to this the students may have that kind of perception that oh this is the language I use at home it's not the language I use at school yeah students may not be able to uh, read and write in their home language for example even if they can speak speak it well so there's all those kind of things that we will learn along the way but that's the important yes. part of getting to know our EAL learners um, and just yeah take risks and experiment and and see how it goes and and through that even if it doesn't go well you're still sending that message to students that you you value that part of them and you want to get to know them better and you want them to to contribute which is probably the most important thing yeah 
Definitely. Oh, thank you so much, Jacob. It's been um, fantastic speaking to you. It's been a real eye-opener for me. It's a really good way thank of thinking you. about language. It's brilliant. Uh, thanks for inviting me. A really um, pleasure to speak to you. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. This podcast was brought to you by Helen Bodell from Twinkle EAL. We have over 650,000 resources and you can find all of our resources at www.twinkle.co.uk. You can also find us on Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter and Instagram by following Twinkle EAL.